What if I told you that you can design and live the life that you want on your own terms? Would you do it? Would you take a leap into the unknown? Or would you settle for a life of limits, a life of safety but lacking true meaning? Zeph and Moses Blacksburg here, and I'm on a journey to help you ignite your inner passions, let go of your fears, and get more out of life. Will you join me and make this year your year of purpose? Welcome to the Year of Purpose podcast. What's up, everybody? This is Zephan Blacksburg here from the Year of Purpose podcast. And I've got my buddy Jordan Goodman out here today, and he's from Beatwell. And basically, he goes around to different groups bringing all sorts of really cool instruments. And uh, he does, in a sense, musical rehabilitation. Is that what you could call it, in a sense? Sure. Yeah? Yeah, musical something. I say uh, maybe uh, with the rehabilitation part, maybe a, a, a rediscovering is a better word, um, or reconnecting Sweet. Uh, of things that uh, we as humans have done for thousands of years in, in virtually every culture, uh, but maybe considered unique in this culture at this time. That's awesome. So this is something that dates back to kind of where human life evolved from. I mean, music is definitely the basis for many things in all of our cultures across the board. Uh, and so you have a really great way to make an impact on other people's lives. And you kind of told me a little bit about this when we were out eating the other day, but you said that you were basically able to combine your passion with something that can actually make you money, which is pretty important. So tell me a little bit just about like how that got started and how, you know, where was your aha moment of, wow, like the one thing I love doing can actually pay off. Uh, sure. Uh, well, before that aha moment, just to kind of give you some background, you know, music has always been uh, a, a very central uh, just focal point of, of my life. I've always been attracted to it, uh, both as a listener and a consumer and just someone to experience music, but also as the creator of music. Um, when I was in elementary school, the way that I hung out with my friends on the weekend was to get together and play music. And, and so, you know, from an early age, I was going to concerts and really was connected uh, and found community in other people who would go to concerts and were musicians. And that's, that's what I am. That's what I do. And to not do that, especially in a career, uh, for me would not be, you know, really respecting who I am, right. what I love and what's natural to me. So uh, I, I played in bands for, for a long time and did what most of us think that professional musicians do. So, you know, I would write songs and record songs and then perform songs uh, to people. And when, in this culture, we think of that's what a musician does professionally. Right. Um, and, but still, in, through the bands that I was playing in, I, I was in school and, and was attracted to, to psychology. Uh, it's because at first in undergrad, I was taking PR classes, marketing classes, media classes, anything that could help me uh, as a professional musician in, in running the bands that, that I was in. Uh, and I was learning that uh, I could experience and learn and get a much better education by actually just doing it. 
in the real world. Which most and, of the time is exactly how you should do it. Sure, sure. And, and, and I found that the, the textbooks I was asked to read and the conversations I was asking to engage in in the classroom really uh, wasn't resonating with the success and the experiences that I was finding uh, in, in the real world making money doing this stuff. Uh, but with psychology, uh, the classes I took, I enjoyed the conversations. I was interested in engaging and, and learning. So, and, and I always knew there was uh, a, a huge piece uh, to the music making process uh, and just the relationship between musicians uh, that was, you know, healing. Um, and to me, that was just intuitive. Even though there's a music therapy, you know, field, and, and that is a career that exists um, and, and has for decades now in the U.S. Um, but it was never really on my radar. And I, I started grad school in, in a path towards clinical and counseling psychology in Baltimore. And really, really early on, I discovered research proving that a specific group drumming protocol had all these specific and significant effects, socially, biologically, emotionally, and that was the aha moment of holy fish and i hope it's cool to cuss that i can take this counseling therapy psychology path i was on and i can take this music uh this the, the musician that i am and the experiences i've had as as a musician and piece it together knowing that i had a huge hill to climb right as far as you know i need to learn really quickly how to not only educate the public that this is uh, a valuable and worthy service, uh, but that it's worth, you know, paying for. And, and, but I was willing to take it on and, and I still do because it always works. And that's what I keep coming back to. Like it never, not, it never doesn't work, you know? <laughs> so that's really cool. Basically you took what you went to school for which you know as we know so many people go to school they get this degree and they don't even use it ever again so it's so great to actually be able to combine that with something that you love and then you took the one thing you were passionate about but realized that you know it, it wasn't going to be very easy to make a career out of because obviously uh, I know that it's hard for bands to travel and tour the country and make money unless you know they're signed by record labels and they've got a lot going on for them so yeah, and sometimes being and most times being on the label it's even harder to make money <laughs> you're more just in debt so really you're just kind of in debt all the time being in a band yeah give or take yeah. <laughs> you know i've toured and and to to break even was a huge success so obviously you want to thrive and so I'd imagine that's probably a pretty good motivation for you to, to really make sure that this works and, like you were saying, educate the public. Because it's one thing to say, I've got this really cool thing that I want to give out to the world. It's another thing if the world's actually going to accept it. Sure. You know, so it, how do we go about uh, making sure the world accepts what we want to give to them? So I guess my question to you at, at this point is, you know, say we've found what this thing is that we want to do, how do we, uh, I don't know if we need like a proof of concept or maybe do we have to do like a test run or how do we go about convincing people that uh, it's something they need in their life? You know, like when I do sports, any yoga instructor could convince me that I need flexibility, right? But when I'm not doing sports, I don't feel 
the tight muscles or the issues that you know I might otherwise find or fix in yoga. You know, so how do you go about doing that? So I had to prove the concept uh, to myself first. You know, is this you know uh, worth investing my time and energy into? Um, and it, I for a couple years took gigs for free with the the promise that a person who could potentially hire me a second time would be physically present, ideally participating in the group, and with the promise that if the person who brought me in found what I shared valuable, they'd offer testimonial. And that's what I did a lot. And But I believed in it, and I think that's really where it starts. Um, I believe in what I do. I know it works. and. And, and I also, really part of it was learning how to articulate that to other people. And I've had to do that countless times to professors. You know, in grad school, once I found that research early on, every class I took, every project I was assigned, I found a way to tie this drum into the coursework. And, and in that sense, you know, I went to school not to like get A's, but to build a career. And really that's what education is for. Yeah. Or, or should be for most of us, I'd assume. Uh, so, yeah, and, and I realized that as I got better at articulating the, the potential in the drum, that I always saw the light bulb go off or the, the person, whether it's a professor or the supervisors I've had or just uh, someone who was potentially going to hire me to share what I do, uh, I usually would see that light bulb or the aha moment happen where it's like, oh, duh, this is why it works. Right, this and is why I started out doing this in the first place. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, I, I had to prove the concept over and over again in, in a bunch of different contexts as far as different populations uh, for different desired outcomes or goals that you know, I was being asked to you know, work towards through a drum circle uh, experience. Um, and it worked, and and because it worked, word of mouth kind of traveled, you know, luckily fast for me. Yeah. Um, I've always had work, and you know, and and I promote and I market and whatnot, but I, but others can do that way better than I can, you know. So if if I go and do a gig, and the person who hired me really believes in it and they tell their network of people, um, that's who those people are gonna trust. And, and that's really, I've seen that for years now. It's probably been about five years since I've been doing this, you know, pretty consistently. Mm -hmm. um, and, but like what I keep coming back to, it, it works. Yeah. It works. And, and I, have to, I have to own that first, because if I don't, or if you don't, in, in whatever you're sharing with the world, uh, people pick up on that. Right, and they can tell. It's, it's almost like a BS meter. Sure. Yeah, so, you know, if you're not confident in what you're doing, then, I mean, that's step number one, is figure out how to be confident in what you're doing. And I think that you and I were both in the same boat. You know, I just, uh, the video program that I was at in school, uh, I was kind of given this attitude that I had to take over. I had to really own what I was doing. And uh, I, I would consider and think of myself as one of the best video editors in that program, you know, within that year of college. 
And I don't think uh, that mentality, I think without that mentality, I wouldn't have gotten to where I am now because my first client, I'll, I'll never forget this, one of my first clients when I was on my own, I had shot weddings before, but this was a wedding. And they were like, yeah, can we see some of your portfolio work? And I'm like, well, I don't have any under my company, right? Like I worked for other companies, so they all owned it. And I literally had to sit there and explain to them, like, here's my process, here's who I'm gonna show up with, here's what it's gonna look like in the end. And ultimately they hired me, but you have to have that confidence when you tell people that. You know, if someone asks for your portfolio, maybe you're just getting started off and you don't have one, you've got to have that ability to be able to convince them even without a portfolio, sure. I feel like. Sure, Yeah, I mean, talking about, you know, big stuff. If someone's potentially hiring you to document their wedding, you know, or if I'm being asked to uh, work with, you know, a, a group of folks at a, you know, mental health agency, you know, that's important stuff. And, and you're not going to get the work unless people believe in you yeah you know so so you're taking drumming and you're introducing people to a lot of biological responses that people didn't really know existed uh, so maybe share with me a little bit about like what what sort of responses in the body in the mind you know in the spirit are people finding or seeing or what is research shown uh, that happens through drumming sure um, it's there's a, there's a lot to it. Um, to start off, stress. So we experience stress both, uh, you know, biologically, physiologically in the body, but but we, you know, really interpret it often uh, emotionally, maybe as fear or anxiety and yeah. things like that. So research has shown that uh, this helps reduce stress. Uh, I think for a bunch of reasons. Um, a big piece of this work is the social connectedness uh, of the experience so uh, creating that that safety and that that bond between people and that comfort and support that's really what I'm always aiming towards when I'm working especially with groups of people right um, but even you know one-on-one -on -one, uh, it's creating that sense of security and, and safety um, so there's research demonstrating huge uh, and significant uh, changes in reducing stress. Um, uh, beyond that, uh, just relaxation, you know, and, and you know, I'm clearly not a, a neurologist or a physiologist, um, so this is just to my understanding, and really, for me, experience has been the best teacher of, of why this works. Um, but there's research showing uh, that our stress will actually lower, uh, not only at a hormonal level, uh, speaking of cortisol, which is the major stress hormone, but even at the level of our DNA uh, on-off switches uh, in, you know, in our genetics. Uh, and it's been shown that the way stress is, uh, is you know, uh, demonstrated or kind of physiologically um, demonstrate it throughout our, you know, our, our genetics. Uh, there's on-off switches, and using this specific group drumming protocol that I was talking about, uh, which is called Health Rhythms, uh, in which I'm trained, uh, it's been proven that these on-off switches uh, 
that express stress um, in a control versus people doing the drumming uh, those switches are altered and stress is thus decreased wow. significantly so uh, I guess it begs the question where do we start <laughs> where do we start with the drumming process yeah okay um, well it starts with a drum my man cool and so we have a couple options here yeah, yeah. so this is what this is the kind of stuff I'll, I'll usually bring to to a session typically I'm working with between 20 to 40 people in a group um, sometimes it's much more intimate with less people and sometimes you know it's over 100 people um, really my job as a facilitator is to help people feel comfortable so we're talking about stress and right. one of the big things is to help reduce stress so most of us especially in this culture don't consider ourselves to be musicians um, and don't consider ourselves to even like have rhythm I hear that all the time like, <laughs> I don't have rhythm so and also to do something new in front of others that creates a lot of stress sure right uh, so my job as a facilitator is uh, to create a safety of condition. Um, so I will share things, you know, in the sense that everything is optional. Uh, there is no right or wrong in the sense that we're not here to perform music. There's a reason why we call it playing music. We're here to play. And when kids play, like, you know, in a setting like this, they're not thinking about, am I doing this right? Or do I look stupid? Or, you know? They just kind of do it. You just do it. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so, I mean, there's a drum here if you'd like, or a shaker, yeah, let's do whatever it. you want to play. Would you pass me? Actually, yeah. would you pass me all that stuff? Create some stuff with this. Go for it. Cool. And so, I grew up, uh, for background for people listening and watching, um, I grew up playing violin for like six, seven years, something like that. Nice. And I actually dropped it for drums when I went to a summer camp mm -hmm. and I learned how to play drums and dad bought me a drum set and I started playing. Now I haven't picked up a drum in a very long time mm -hmm. and maybe for people watching you know we'll explain to them kind of how these work and how the sound is produced Sure. and, uh, and you keep doing your thing. Cool. Um, yeah just for context these kind of style of drums are, are djembe's and West African style drum. Um, I know a lot of other facilitators, they place a great emphasis on the, the tools that they use. And the way I like to explain it is that really what I do has nothing to do with the drumming. And really the drums are just the, the tools to create more important outcomes, like reduced anxiety or increased uh, relaxation or uh, an increased sense of community and, and things like that. Um, so like I said, I mean, I facilitate it with no instruments because <laughs> our bodies are, you know, True. Are musical instruments. So um, the way I like to kind of start is there's a universal pulse that connects us and I'll do a group of 150 people all with a different instrument and I give everyone the freedom to play whatever you'd like. Uh, but I always remind people to uh, do their best to help make the group sound good. Whatever that means for them, but it really starts with listening first. Uh, the thing, and it always sounds like one song within right. seconds, which is awesome. Um, and it never doesn't work that way. Okay. Um, but that's because we're all connected by a universal pulse. Okay, so even if you're watching uh, along, 
uh, or even just listening, I'll, I could count out that pulse that kind of connects us. Um, and in Western musical culture, usually we have something called a quarter note or a four-four time signature. So we've got these four quarter notes. So if you want to join me, it's easy just to start with a one, two, three, four. Yeah, one, two, three. So if you notice, as a facilitator, I'm nodding my head to that pulse, right? And I encourage others to do the same. Or whatever really just makes, you know, your body feel good, whether it's your shoulders or your toes, or just keeping the hand going. Yeah. From there, once I've established a pulse with the group, I give them the freedom to maybe add a note. So So whatever feels good. Nice. And then from there, add some more. Take away. But the idea, yeah, is that we're always listening. And I'll remind groups that the music is always changing. So it's a constant process of listening and adjusting. And as you could imagine, the real work in what I do, besides talking in rhythm, is finding the metaphor, right? So whether that's relationships or life in general, is always changing. So how do we best adjust? and aware that we're breathing, which helps us kind of get back to acknowledging and experiencing just the present moment. So many tribes, villages, communities, what have you, would and will get together to drum meditate, you know, to go deep within themselves, to deeply connect with, you know, their communities, and the longer we would do this for, I think the more powerful uh, that experience would become, the easier it would be to become more present, more connected. First of all, I, you saw, couldn't talk Dude, while doing job, that. <laughs> I can keep track of the rhythm, but talking while doing that is not my forte. So I'm very impressed with that. Sure. And then tell me about the pause. Is there um, any significance to that pause or does it, uh, you know, bring us back to the present or, or you know, kind of 
bring us back to the moment just to uh, focus on where we are again? Yeah, uh, I'll use the, the pause uh, for a number of reasons. So sometimes if I'm noticing that the group doesn't feel as connected, whether that's uh, expressed in the music or just the attention of the group, I'll often bring the, the music to a stop, uh, although the music keeps going, it's just expressed you know, in the rest, uh, and then bring everyone right back in. And mm. that's kind of like, you know, let's, let's all get the attention right back to, to the group and to the music. So sometimes I'll do it that way. Um, and just the counting down and, and facilitating back in, uh, it, it helps to reestablish that pulse or the, the natural tempo of where the group is. Uh, you know, sometimes if it's called for, I like to play around with the tempo. So yeah. it's, it's a nice way that I can bring it to a stop and then count back in a little quicker, a little bit slower. Um, and each would have different desired effects for me with where I'm trying to take the group. Um, usually I'm listening more to the group uh, and what I mean by that is I'm trying to pick up from the group uh, of what they need and where they are naturally trying to go. Uh, more often than not, I, I don't have an agenda. Um, Which is probably better. I mean, I found that going into you know, this whole journey, both in the past year and just when, when searching for answers, you know, you're, you're searching for answers or feedback from the people you're working with. You know, sometimes we're searching for answers or feedback in life and they're not exactly spoken word, right? Sure. So I think that's a great way to kind of look for the answers without looking in a sense. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and I think not, not so much looking, but listening for the answers you know and and if I understand you correctly what I think you're kind of getting at is those types of things you know those types of answers that are really within us and probably there all along but just uh, you know, we're not we're not picking up on those for all kinds of different reasons um, so whether that becomes just being able to become more present with ourselves and more accepting of ourselves and what's really there um, and being able to listen and experience ourselves more deeply. And this gets you there. Yeah, Just, just the same Seriously. way that, um, you know, uh, in, in social uh, kind of relationships, uh, helping others just listen more clearly to those around them. You know, I, I do a lot of work with with kids and adults with autism. And so they often struggle in, in a social context. And I remember the first time that I was asked to do something like this uh, was also the first time I really interacted with a group of people with autism at a, uh, at a school, an elementary and middle school. And it was about 25 students. And I really didn't know what I was getting into because, like I said, I hadn't really tried it before with that type of population, and and I experience all this all, this all the time, you know, being asked to come work with a certain population, and I say yes because I trust in the process, and and it's never let me down yet. Um, and it's proven itself to you, I mean, over and over again. Sure, sure, and and I was asked to do. Uh, uh, a full hour 
with about 25 children, wow. um, most with an autism diagnosis, from I think maybe kindergarten through eighth grade. So that's pretty huge, you know, kind of uh, just all the individual differences, uh, just beyond, uh, you know, how people are behaviorally and, and socially, uh, but just, just in the age and, and all that. And all they had, it was at the end of the school year, and we booked it a couple days out, and all they had was just one hour for me to do all of them. And they stuck with me the whole time. And I even had teachers after the fact just say how uh, encouraged, but yet surprised by how well they stuck with it. And yeah. I probably could have gone longer than an hour. Um, but there was something about, I think, the tactile sensation of that holding an instrument or a drum that kind of anchors you in, in it. Uh, there's the vibration throughout your body um, created from you creating music, but also everyone around you. And I think it really helps uh, that, that sustained attention to a task. Um, and, and the ability to, to really be in community with others, to listen to others. And that's a huge part of what I teach and, and what I personally am learning through this work is how to be a better listener, not only internally, but you know, externally too. And, and now you get to share it with other people. So uh, let me ask you this, how can people find more information both about what you're doing um, and then maybe is there you know, some resources online or maybe do you have any videos online where people can check this out? Sure. Um, you know, either get in touch with you or just to learn more about it. Yeah, uh, so beatwell.org. Beatwell.org. My website. Cool. Um, on Twitter, Facebook, Beatwell Be More. Okay. You can find me and connect with me. Uh, I mentioned Health Rhythms, which is the evidence-based protocol. Uh, that's through the drum company Remo. Uh, Remo.com slash health. Okay. Um, so if, if you're really interested in in pursuing and learning more, I think that's a great place to start, especially as if you're in an academic or scientific field. Uh, so that's a great resource with all the research um, and, and trainings. Uh, there's another mentor of mine, his name's Jim Donovan. He's out of Pennsylvania. Uh, he played in a band called Rusted Root for a long time and now uh, dedicates his career to uh, facilitating and, and almost more importantly, teaching others how to facilitate drum circles as well. Um, and he's doing a really nice job of that. Um, I teach a bunch. Most, most of uh, the teaching I do right now uh, are, is specifically to mental health professionals um, and educational professionals as well. Um, you know, mostly in the Baltimore, D.C. area. Um, but, but yeah, it's, awesome. uh, it's a good thing because uh, you don't need to be a musician or even need to be musical, at least in your own mind, to do this work. And oftentimes it's easier for me to teach someone who's a non-musician uh, to facilitate this kind of work uh, because sometimes if you've had a, you know, a lifetime's worth of experience as a musician, I have to spend some time to help you unlearn a lot of those right. things. You know, um, where many of us as musicians are in a performance type of mode where uh, all the notes have to fit and make sense. and. Um, that's not what this is. Yeah. This is about, you know, 
people expressing themselves as they are where they are. And, and my job, or the job of any uh, drum circle facilitator, is to help create cohesion, a sense of safety, um, and kind of help guide a group to, uh, towards something more unifying and uh, gratifying. That's awesome. And so I think the best way to round this off is what, if you had any one piece of advice for anyone right now who is stuck in life trying to figure out where they're going, um, as far as when it comes to combining, you know, what makes money with your actual passion, you know, what would you tell them? Add value. Reach out to others and add value uh, without expecting anything in return. And that's hard. Yeah. Because you're, you're giving yourself away for free. Sure, sure. And, and, and like I said, um, and like we said earlier, you know, kind of that, that BS meter. People pick up on if, if you're reaching out because you're looking to gain, mostly. You know, um, what's nice about what I do is that this is universal. Uh, rhythm is the most universal language. Um, in the sense that I'll facilitate circles with people who are blind and deaf and don't have use of their hands or fingers. Um, and I've always found a way to meaningfully engage everyone into the experience. Um, so, and what I mean by that, it's nice as far as, there's all kinds of people that I can reach out to and share this with and add value in that way selflessly because I feel like everyone can benefit from this and everyone can facilitate this type of work. Um, but, you know, it really comes down to knowing the value that you can share. And, and once you have that, identifying the people who can benefit from it most, um, and just putting yourself out there. Like just reaching going out, for it. Going for it. Um, and, but doing it, like I said, in a way where you're trying to help others. And if it doesn't come back to you, that's cool. You know, and um, because it really can't be expected. Um, that's worked for me and it comes back in other ways too you know sure the I mean, fact it, that you put yourself out and help one person you know butterfly effect somebody else might come along in your life and help you out and you know that was kind of like their way of saying thanks for that sure yeah absolutely and even like if just say I reached out to someone and maybe reaching out to that person for whatever reason gave me some anxiety because it's a very high profile person or I'd think, oh, there's no reason why they'd be interested, but yet I think it would be a really cool idea. Um, like, even if they said no, or like, shut the hell up, like, I gain by just trying, you know, and that gives me more courage next time. That's awesome. Well, how about let's play again, and we'll round out the episode with a little bit of drumming. Is that cool? I like it. So we'll give them a little bit of a beat to kind of play out the episode with. Okay. So you start me off and... Okay, so here's how we're gonna do it. Uh, what I really like about this work that I share is that it's, it's a really nice way for me to help teach leadership development. So for instance, uh, I was hired recently by an after school program to do uh, a four week residency with kids like six to nine years old, maybe a dozen of them. And each week I was giving and teaching them the skills of drum circle facilitation and 
by the fourth week, their their family all came, and we had a big drum circle with maybe 30 or 40 people, mm -hmm. and those elementary age kids were the leaders. Um, so with that in mind, and I also like saying, you know, in a group, you know, I don't have to lead. You know, everyone has the potential, and often the point is for the group to lead itself. Um, but with all that in mind, I'm going to encourage you to start us off. Okay. Okay? Should um, I start with the sort of beat we had before? Or? I would say to not think about it, and whatever your hands uh, end up doing will be perfect. I got to think on it. <laughs> that's the hard part. And that's what this is about, like getting out of our heads. I mean, I think as we all know, the more we think about doing anything, uh, that just gets in the way. Yeah. All right, let's see. Here we go. You've probably heard me talk about designing a life that you actually want to live. You might have even heard about my travels or experiences and thought to yourself, yeah, I do want to do that. Eventually, someday I'll probably do it, and my guess is that you've been thinking about doing it for a long time. So I want to tell you this. Stop thinking. Your time is right now. You don't need any more time. You don't need any more info. You don't need to keep putting it off and planning for the perfect time because the truth of the matter is this. You could be the person who sits around and thinks about living a better life, or you can be the person that decides that today is the day that you're going to actually do it and I want that for you. Because you already have what it takes. You've got a fire inside, even if you can't see it right now. It's lit, but you need to open yourself up to the possibilities and throw a couple logs into the flames. So join me and the Euro Purpose tribe by subscribing to our YouTube channel and iTunes podcast. And if you really like us, please leave a review. This is Effin Moses Blacksburg, and I can't wait to see you again on the Year of Purpose podcast.